Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Six Feet Under. We've got a great guest game coming your way, but first, as always, uh, as often, we've got a great pod chat to, to go along with it hand in hand. Uh, so, for this, I am joined by uh, uh, Gnome and Ethel from the regular crew. Say hello. 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 And our very special guest, please introduce yourself as you'd like to be introduced. <laughs> Uh, hi, I'm Mara, um, Orange Sickle on Twitter. Maybe you know me. I don't know. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we're so happy to have you. Uh, so, like I mentioned, we're starting off with a pod chat this time, and our topic, we're going to be talking about uh, pre-written, pre-made, packaged adventures hermetically sealed for safety and uh, antibacterial properties. <laughs> <laughs> You will not get the flu from running pre-made adventures, I hope. Uh, <laughs> this is the con flu. They're popular at conventions. Yeah. That is true, and I'm sure that will be something that comes up. <laughs> so, uh, Gnome, you uh, uh, proposed this topic. Why don't you uh, share some of your initial top-level thoughts before we drill down? Yeah. Well, first I'd like to talk about how it relates to today's game, because this is actually the second time I'll be running Costume Fairy Adventures, and probably the second time this will be coming up. I don't know if the other episode will go up first, or this one will go up first. It could go either way. But the pre-made adventure I'm running is the same for both, but the pre-made adventure is written to have different outcomes based on player input. So that should be fun to see. Uh, I feel like a lot of pre-written adventures just to go into the history of them a little bit um they're mostly Mm -hmm. about having like a standardized like they originally made for like standardized dungeon crawling so you could run the same game multiple times for a convention Mm -hmm. usually with a little bit of variation but not for like different groups but not too much um the one we're running today was definitely built around variation as a core conceit so right and uh, if anyone else wants more uh, examples from this show, you can check out our recent Ashen Stars uh, episode. That was a pre-made adventure. And also the uh, one, Eclipse Phase. Not quite as recent, uh, but still pretty good. Yeah, that was a good <laughs> pre-written adventure. Yeah. Well, I was going to say it's a pretty good episode, but sure. Well, it's also uh, that... <laughs> Uh, let's see. Oh, what? When you think about pre-written adventures, are there any that jump out to you that are especially good? Uh, that you you uh have played? Uh, there are a number of especially famous ones from say the old days of D and D, or also uh the Call of Cthulhu Library. Yeah. Um, I would say that there are a lot of old famous ones. But, like, the best one is probably the one we're playing today, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite one ever in any game. Yeah, is this one. All um, right. I'm real excited about it, and I've been having a lot of fun so far. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. But uh, to go into some famous ones, there's always mm-hmm. the Temple of Elemental Evil, which everyone brings up ever. For uh, good Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tomb of Horrors, for different reasons, but... Yes. Yeah. Masks of uh, Nyarlathotep. Uh, I always get a little tongue-tied. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, well, you're supposed to with those names. Yeah, yeah. Nyarlathotep is not supposed to roll off the tongue. If it does, then we're all in trouble. Yeah. 
but uh, have you played any of those yourself? Um, I actually have not, although I own a couple of them because there mm-hmm. was a period of time where I was big on D and D, and I bought a couple of them off of Drive Through RPG. But I haven't looked at them in roughly a million years. Um, I think a particularly interesting version of pre-made adventures is this uh, this sort of recent phenomenon called one-page dungeons or mm-hmm. one-page adventures, where they try to fit an entire adventure into just like one page, exactly as it sounds like. And I think there's a yearly contest for these things. Cool. Uh. Something I wanted to bring up is that uh, I, I think that pre-made adventures are great for a uh, uh, sense of community. Uh, like you can think of them in a way as MMO instances, and everyone can share stories of that one boss fight or, or that one uh, uh, especially devious trap. That yeah. even if you played it years and hundreds of miles apart, you still have that uh sort of shared vocabulary right it's like the original like video game adventure Mm -hmm. sort of thing which is a a pretty cool um thing to have in a hobby that's so diy and so uh uh, idiosyncratic to your table in your group to, to have these shared experiences it's pretty cool yeah it is. Um, one that's particularly popular in the Dungeon World community actually is a one-page adventure called Heart of the Minotaur, mm-hmm. where it's well, it's just only one page, and I kind of don't want to spoil the twist because it's really <laughs> cool. But like are, the twist at the end. Are you end, the Minotaur all along? No, the the, okay. the initial plot is that um, you find you see a you're just traveling and you see a caravan that got destroyed. And there's only one survivor, and he's like, please, the Minotaur killed us all, please stop it from before it strikes again. And, like, you follow its path of destruction back to its home to go try to defeat it. But then things aren't what they seem. Things are never quite what they seem. <laughs> um, it's only a one-page adventure. You can pretty easily find it, actually, just by Googling. I think Heart of the Minotaur one-page adventure will find it pretty quick. I think it was the winner of the 2013 contest for it. Nice. Um, and it's just a quick little dungeon, and then like a ton of text about, hey, that's what this is. What's in this room? This is what's in this room. And then here's the boss fight. Here's some notes on the boss fight. Here's the twist. <laughs> uh, another thing that pre-made adventures are, are great for, and a lot of them have in common, is being included with games. Yeah. Uh, because your GM advice chapter or paragraph or whatever only goes so far. Uh, the best way to learn how to run a game, in my opinion at least, is an ex- an example, a demonstration. And a pre-made adventure can serve as that. That's why uh, all the ones we've done on the show so far fit that bill. They, they are all included adventures in their core books. Yep. This one yeah. isn't included in the core book, but it's being released with the core book. Okay, so yeah, yeah. It's roughly the same. They apparently have three adventures planned for Costume Fairy Adventures, and I'm excited for the other two, because Great Pie Caper is really good! <laughs> uh, so, uh, as a designer, do you th- uh, think that that is a useful way to communicate how this game is supposed to work? Uh, uh, absolutely. Um, I think I definitely would have had a little more trouble figuring out how to set up a game properly 
without the great pie caper to look at for costume fairy adventures specifically. Um, uh-huh. The book is pretty good at communicating everything it does, but there's a lot to like write and prepare for the GM, and having the playset lets you just throw it all on the floor and l- see how it plays out. Right. Uh, and I was going to say that having someone do the prep work for you is awesome. Yes. <laughs> like, yes, it is. If, oh my gosh. <laughs> like if you're you're watching LP13A. Uh, which is great. You should watch it. You should. Uh, <laughs> so very many of the encounters we do, like the, the story is all our own, all original, but the monster design and a lot of the encounter design, uh, I'm taking from their adventures, from their uh, uh, organized play newsletter, because, man, I'm dealing with seven PCs and their subplots and... and Working it all together, someone can make monsters for me, and I'm not gonna mind. I, I, that's that's fine by me. I'm happy for the help. Yeah, it it can definitely be helpful, especially if you don't like it. It's a lot of work to GM some games. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a big fan of improving games, which this this game is also sort of built for. But right. at the same time, having a ton of pre-made stuff just makes the improv easier. Exactly. Exactly. You've got a, a larger uh, uh, library to draw from. Yeah. When your ideas run dry, you have fallbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing that, that reminds me of, some games uh, uh, rely more heavily on pre-made adventures than others, or at least they have greater demand for them. Uh, speaking again of our Ashen Stars experience, I know that any sort of mystery or investigation game uh, tends to sell a lot more than your average, uh, say, Dungeon Delve action game. Dungeons are unusual because like, there's a bunch of dungeon mapping programs and a bunch of other mm-hmm. stuff in the game. Most games with dungeon delving already have a bunch of pre-made monsters and a monster manual for you. Right. So, or say if you're putting together something for feng shui, yeah. you just watch three action movies and put together the best part. There you and, go. <laughs> but wanting to have a, 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 there's something about mysteries where people could do them probably just as easily as they could prep any other sort of story, but they want the professional help, you know? Yeah. It's, it's more welcome in that setting because it's really easy to botch a mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you look at uh, uh, Pellegrin Press's blog, I think they've had a few entries where they talk about how, yeah, uh, it was a pretty good decision to make a lot of our titles based on, on investigation stuff because we are selling so many adventures. <laughs> <laughs> good for them. There, there's a new like Trail of Cthulhu uh, adventure book every month or something, I swear. I feel like Pathfinder is doing that as well, but I don't I, I don't know how good those are because I don't play Pathfinder. Haven't in a long time. Mm-hmm. So, hey, someone's buying them. So. Someone's buying them because they're still making them every month like clockwork. There's always mm-hmm. a new adventure path or a continuation to a, a previous one. I think they've had like three mega arcs where they've made like pre-made adventures for every single level, and like when you finish <laughs> an adventure, you got all your char- characters level up. And then you go to the next part of it. So these are like 20, 30 part mega adventures. Well, just wait until we uh, publish the source book for the uh, uh, 
whatever we wind up naming the 13th Age campaign. And you'll have the same thing. You'll, you'll get to have your own Equinox Manor. It'll be great. Just don't expect a, you know, a Knoll man to jump out and one-shot the boss at the beginning of the adventure to that one. <laughs> he wanted a cool entrance, dang it. Uh, so, do you have any uh, other thoughts on the topic? Um, Ethel, Mara, have you two yeah. ever played any pre-made adventures? Uh, Before this one today? The only thing I've ever played is the D&D 4th edition. So this will actually be my first non... Yeah. Uh, Non-pre-made. Yeah. This will be Should your first pre-made first adventure, pre-made. yes. Yeah. Okay. I want extra words in my sentences. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, okay, from that perspective, though, is there anything you're, like, expecting or concerned about? Like, do you think you'll have less room for uh, uh, improvisation or taking things off the rails? Oh, and she drops out yeah. of the Skype call. Whoops. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Well, let's let's throw that at Mara. Have you ever yeah. played any of these before? <laughs> Same question. Um, I'm, like, scanning my memories because I haven't played many games. Uh, but, like, honestly, I think about... It's probably ten years ago at this point. Something <laughs> in, like, a teacher in middle school brought in a mystery game and divided us into groups and had us do that for a couple days and like it's a very pre-constructed game in which i'm pretty sure the plot is the same every time like there's not a whole lot of room yeah Mm -hmm. like replaying it loses its point but um this at least seems to you know be something you can uh replay and still have um you know, it's not the exact same investigation. Or, well, this isn't really an investigation, yeah. but this is this uh, is cause mischief, and how the players cause mischief yeah. changes what happens. Mm-hmm. They have five yeah. different act twos prepared, and a sixth one that's <laughs> uh, work with your players to make up a new act two. You went completely off the rails. That's, <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. So I guess like ever since that one uh, mystery game, I was always like, I really want to play more of this, but I don't feel like playing this again would be fun, and I don't know how many games they've actually written so um <laughs> yeah i guess the only other stuff i've played is like fiasco but that's pretty much completely improv yeah so i don't know yeah the, a pre-written fiasco adventure would defeat the point yeah <laughs> yeah there is something to that idea though like you you buy a movie for 10 15 and it's going to be the same the whole way but you don't care you love that movie mm-hmm. uh but however much your pre-written adventure goes like, you've already sort of lived it the first time. Do you think there's a replayability factor at all there? I, I'm thinking... Well, the, the differences with uh, between a movie and between, um, like, a game that you play is that a movie is, like, a tightly focused right. viewing experience, while a game, the whole entertainment part of it is the interactive part. Uh, so, like, the, the second time you're... Playing, you're thinking, wow, this isn't as much fun. And it's not because of anything the game did. It's because you didn't get on that weird tangent about Clarissa Explains It All, that where you were like laughing until you were crying for some reason and you can't remember why. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it, I don't know. It just, it could be fun maybe, probably. But uh, it, I don't know if it'll be the same without some sort of level of variability because right. part of the fun of an RPG is exploring the world 
and exploring your characters. And if you're playing the same characters in the same world, some of that's already been removed. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, does anyone have any other thoughts or should we move to final thoughts? Um, I have another thought, actually. Sure, absolutely. I feel like something similar to the pre-made adventures is like the World of Warcraft raiding concept, mm-hmm. where players play the same dungeon with a group of friends that everyone else has played, so they have the same shared experience there. And sometimes oh, you'll do the yeah. same raid over and over because the challenges along the way you thought were fun, or you just need the gear at the end really bad. <laughs> I can speak to that from 14. Uh, yeah. Final Fantasy fourteen. Uh, <laughs> I haven't played a lot of MMOs, but from what I've seen of how the raiding concept works, it seems mm-hmm. very similar to pre-made adventures in concept. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh... Those are uniquely taxing in their own way, because some <laughs> days you go in and it works fine, and then some days you go in and someone missteps, and then enough frustrating wipes later, and you're all just like, never mind, let's just go again another day. <laughs> We it need takes a, a lot of effort to get that many people together and online too. But um, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. That is a similarity these two games have in common: <laughs> tabletop and MMO. Yeah, but they are like. Can't your brother schedule his wedding for another day? He should know better. <laughs> <laughs> he knows Saturday is D and D day. <laughs> Uh, well, I think that pre-made adventures are a pretty cool thing in general. I uh, would never want to give up just, you know, homebrewing stuff for your people. But they are a, a cool way to, uh, as I said earlier, teach the game as it's meant to be played uh, and convey those uh, ideas about theme and, and pacing better than just a dry description in your GM advice and also as a way for people to uh, connect to, to one another like you were saying you know a shared experience that you didn't actually share but you still you know you, you have it together yeah mm-hmm. I feel like they're also really good starting points like if you want to do a longer campaign um, a good yeah. way to ease everyone into it is to use a pre-made adventure which I think you guys actually did for 13th age too Yes. Way yeah, back that, at la- the first session, a million years it was, ago. Yeah, it, it was actually the uh, adventure that it was included with the playtest that then got restructured and is a much improved version of the same adventure that comes in the core book now. Yeah. yeah. And that's how that whole mega campaign started. <laughs> and then you even had a couple callbacks to it at some point with like that lady in the, the Queen's Council Chamber episode. Yep, yep. Who had the bottle of lightning from the pre-made adventure. Yes. And we, we've had some real deep callbacks all through the uh, the campaign. Although that is the deepest possible. Right. That, that is the direct callback. Yeah. Alright, I suppose that sums up everything we uh, covered today. So now we're going to cut this recording. And we'll see you just one link away where we actually play the dang thing. Uh, See you there, folks. Bye-bye.